In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm your not host, Evan. And I'm an old hag who lives in the woods named Ronnie. And we have a special guest today. The special guest. guest. Special guest. What's up, y'all? This is Paladin Jim. An actual paladin from the actual show that we're reviewing. I say actual paladin. Uh, You you were (laughs) a paladin for a, a LARP TV show. But that's as close to an actual paladin as you can probably be in the modern era. So. I feel like a lot of people don't claim paladin very often or <laughs> are embarrassed to do so. But even to this day, I call myself a paladin. So As you I, should. You I wear it with pride. It. Yeah. It's like I climbed out of your TV and am just in your life now. So uh, Ending Pending is a podcast where we review television shows that have only lasted for a single season. We are currently covering The Quest, episodes one, two, and three, which is why Paladin Jim is here with us. But before we get into that, I have a bit that I prepared. We all know that Andy prepares their bits <laughs> ahead of we time. All, we all know Andy can say the word prepares. Prepare. <laughs> I pray for this bit. Okay. As you should. First off, Ronald, this you've been making fun of how I say words a lot recently on this podcast. <laughs> in my defense, in my defense, you were hurts. very drunk when we did this podcast last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true too. Um Andy's bit is if you guys were in D&D, what would your class be? Not what mm. class would you choose for yourself. What class would you actually be? Like us as people. If we were you as people, yes. Transported so, into oof. D&D. So Jim is claiming paladinhood, and he did earn that in real life, but... Have Maybe I Jim played a would... paladin in D and D? Absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe Jim would would be a different class. I think I would probably be a bard, um, because That's I'm so accurate. I'm easily yeah. the most annoying person in any given group of people. <laughs> um, and I just I, I do often break out into song because of my musical theater background, and mm. everyone totally loves it. And, and it gives everyone great inspiration to, to do great in their battles and such. You're very, you're very good at encouraging when you're not making fun of how people pronounce words. All right, all right. <laughs> you inspire me, Ronnie. Inspire I believe you? In you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I would probably be a rogue, I think. Uh, nobody ever notices me. I'm real good at hiding. I'm very unobtrusive. You're so sneaky. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ronnie. No, I was going to say that's interesting because I think that is a quality that I had as a child was that nobody noticed me. And so I became a bard as if to say, hey, someone notice me. <laughs> Nobody's giving me enough attention. Yeah. 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 Jim, um, are you ready to go? Sure. So as much as I love being a paladin, I will always be a paladin. Um, I definitely get the desire to be a bard because... I too break into sp- into song spontaneously. I almost said I almost break spontaneously. That would be terrifying. <laughs> That'd be so um, scary. <laughs> um, I also appreciate monks. I think I I've had the stoic demeanor of a monk, but like would love to whoop some ass with some martial arts slash air bending, fire bending, water bending, like the Avatar. Hell yeah! Um, 
So if a monk and a bard had a baby, maybe somewhere in between there. Mutsy class. That's basically Michelangelo from TMNT. That's a high bar. That is a yeah. very high bar. <laughs> so Andy, what's, me, what's what's yours? Well, I was I was a pastor, so I feel like maybe a disgraced cleric or like a really <laughs> shitty cleric, like Meryl <laughs> from the Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like maybe maybe not Merle. very good at their job, but also maybe really great at their job because of it. Right. Right. Yeah. You've. You've definitely got a couple of extreme teen Bibles laying around, I'm sure. <laughs> Dude, I had one. I know you did. I had the exact Bible that he talks about. It's got a skateboarder on it. Oh, it does. It's and those sweet-ass pink letters from the 80s. Really inspiring those teens. Absolutely. <laughs> Andy lives to inspire teens. Okay, this is getting so, weird. Yeah. This is getting real weird. It's all for the teens. All right. So um, back to the subject at hand. Uh, like Andy said, we watched the quest for this episode, and I love you for that. <laughs> I've seen the quest before. I actually watched it when it was like on television. Then in, I like, love you even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy and I are both pretty avid. Well, I wasn't at the time, but I have since gotten into LARP. And so, of course, the type of person who gets into LARP is the exact type of person who watches the quest. Anyway, let me, let me explain what the quest is about for our lovely viewers. Uh, the quest is a fantasy-themed reality competition show, but uh, unlike with most reality competition shows, it has a story element with actors and sets and everything, and they use that as like a framework for the competition element, which is a real competition element, and you actually have to do good at it. So, um, episode one, they got 12 randos. I mean, like, I assume that you, like, tried out for this or whatever, but 12 random people, and they flew them to Austria, and they dropped them in the woods, and they were promptly greeted by a character named Creo, And then right away, an awesome monster pops out of the woods and, like, straight up murders an NPC to establish that, like, shit is dangerous here. Sebastian, (laughs) R.I.P. And then Creo leads them through the woods, the sweet castle, and we get some exposition about how when the kingdom's in danger, they summon 12 paladins, and the bestest best paladin gets to be the one true hero and save everybody. And uh, when they arrive... They're met with suspicion by the townsfolk and the royal vizier, who's a very villainous-looking guy, who seems very tropey, probably a red herring. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, There's some exposition about Verlux, who's like this universe of Sauron. He's the Dark Lord. And then they get sweet paladin outfits, and the very attractive Sir Ansgar tells them that Mm. they have to... Do their first challenge, and they work in teams to shoot these big-ass crossbow things over a wall. So yeah, the losing team has to go to a smaller elimination challenge, and the two people who do the worst it, of the three in the elimination challenge are up for banishment. And in this case, a girl named Katie got banished first, which must have sucked. Sorry, Katie. Um, um, real quick, can you uh, give a synopsis of uh, like how the elimination works? Because it's really cool. It's so different than, like, Survivor or 
Ink Master or all these other like reality shows. I think it's really unique how they do it. Yeah, so the three people who do the worst have to do an elimination challenge. One person who wins the elimination challenge is now safe, and the remaining two are like potentially getting banished. The rest of the contestants go to a separate area. They talk amongst themselves about who they're going to banish, and then they line up behind the person who they think deserves to be banished. And so the person getting banished and all the other contestants get to see exactly who everybody else chose. It's not like Survivor where it's sort of anonymous and you can kind of like play sneaky games or like everybody knows exactly who eliminated who and it was a live like vote and it was yeah. awful every time yeah it's, it's pretty real intense it's pretty just savage. a little caveat we we stood behind the person that we wanted to keep oh sorry uh, yeah yeah so the person that we felt was more heroic in that week's challenge or just was the closer to being the one true hero we stood behind it was like showing your support for someone yeah all the while right. having the fate stare at you too, which must have been uh, hella intimidating. Yeah. They were so like those actresses that they got were so intimidating. I yeah. love the fates to this day. My three favorite women from that. Oh well, then you have the queen. All the women on this show were badasses, and it was totally great. Yeah, it was it was hardcore. Anyway, episode two, uh, the paladins meet the queen, and an NPC bursts in and waxes poetic about the horrors of war and how Verlox is decimating their forces, and then he dies dramatically. So the paladins have to do, like, weapons training on horseback as their challenge to prepare for war. And to be honest, that was a baller move on the writer's part because horses are mad dangerous and very expensive. Yep. And being on horseback with a spear probably had a really, like, hefty insurance price tag, I would imagine. Uh... And what I remember distinctly from this one is that Bonnie, who did very well in the first challenge, did really badly in this one. And she was really invested and really choked up about failing. And it was like a little heartbreaking. And also, um, Jim did not do super hot in this one. Uh, So Jim and Bonnie and Ashley uh, got to do the elimination challenge. And Jim did a fucking sweet job at the elimination challenge. What up, horseshoes? My yeah, blacksmith, so, my inner blacksmith came out. Yeah, so you were safe on that one, and Ashley got eliminated. And she was a horseback, she was a trainer, she was a horse trainer, which uh, I was rooting for her in the horse challenge. So I mean, not that training horses prepares you for like horseback archery or anything, but I was rooting for her, so I was a little sad that she uh, she didn't do well in that challenge. Uh, episode 3... The queen is mysteriously poisoned. And then there's this like mini pre-challenge challenge challenge where the paladins have to like do a puzzle where they match the symptoms to the antidotes. And then for the real challenge, they go into this spooky, scary like witch's hut in the woods so that they can get ingredients from the witch. And she's kind of like a sadist, I guess. So she set up this elaborate obstacle course (laughs) for her own amusement. And, and they she have only to race spoke each in other. rhyme. Yeah, she did only speak in rhyme. And the paladins had to, like, race each other for the ingredients through this series of, like, weird door obstacles. And um, Jim did not do Stellar. Uh, Bonnie did not do Stellar. And Christian did not do Stellar. 
right? Yeah, that yeah. was a three. That's correct. And uh, then Bonnie won the elimination challenge, which was a balancing game. Uh, and then Jim, unfortunately, got eliminated in that one. So I did. Here we are. Because yeah, are you sure? that was a very. Are you political... sure about that? I, I don't remember it that way. I think, I, I think in his <laughs> heart, Jim was exactly never exactly that way. <laughs> Jim was never eliminated. Yeah, politics were were not my friend that day. Yeah, no. the fact that Christian was up for elimination all three times, but he was he was buddies with Andy, who was very loud. Mm-hmm. Did not help. Mm-hmm. No. Well, that is a lot to digest, and there's a lot of good stuff there. I think so. Let's uh, let's start Which... with Andy. Yeah, is it working? Frick yeah, it's working. Uh, I really like this show, and I'm glad we decided to do uh, a reality show, which is uh, a change of pace for us. But um, I love LARP, and I love fantasy, and I love uh, Survivor. And this combines everything into like one really weird and different type of show. Uh, it's definitely working. Evan? Yes, Ronnie? Is it working? Yeah, it totally is, and I think as evidenced by the fact that I watched it like as it was premiering, I'm exactly the sort of the sort of niche audience that really enjoys this sort of thing. But uh, I think they did really well, uh, like making it just serious enough, and like leaning a little bit into the campy elements because, like, let's be honest, like it's a reality show. They had a limited budget, so I think they like had the right idea about like kind of embracing like the silliness of it a little bit like princess bride style and yet like the stakes still felt high like the emotional investment still felt real so yeah i think it was a really solid show it was really an interesting concept uh hey ronnie hey yeah what i got a question for you ronnie oh do tell me do tell me ask this question is the quest episodes one through three working for you they are it it's clearly like a new concept it's something that everyone you know they show that um two minute clip before every episode of the producers and people talking about how excited they are for it like this seems like something that everyone would be on board for and i did not know about it at the time or else i totally would have been on board for it um and it just seems like all the challenges are woven so naturally into the narrative um, that I I have to, like, there are moments where it's like, okay, this is clearly a reality show. And then there's moments where it's like, I have to remind myself that this is not a scripted, like, drama on television. Like, it's it's just really, really well done. Everyone just really, the, the paladins, the actors that they have, everyone buys into it so, so effortlessly. And it, it, it absolutely works. Um... So, Jim, you might have some some feelings one way or the other, considering at the end of these three episodes, you you were voted off the show, but also you were on the show. Uh, is it working for you? I might be, I might be a little biased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think that if I were not on this show, I would be its biggest fan. I think that it worked then, and I think that if it were to air again today, it would totally work now. Uh, like someone mentioned earlier, there is definitely a, a niche audience, a niche, niche, a, 
We could Niche figure audience. out how to say that word either. It's, either it's, we were practicing. <laughs> since grade school has haunted me, pronunciation. There's an audience for this show, and uh, for a lot of reasons, it didn't hit the mark at the time. Um, but we were still seeing shows like Once Upon a Time and Gallivant and um, King of the Nerds, and there was just such a market for this kind of show. Um, and not to mention that it works for a family show too. There's enough adventure and they do well to cut out a lot of the reality drama. So you just mm-hmm. get to know us as people on this adventure, learning about ourselves and learning how to become heroes. So it works for everybody. And I think it would again today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I have I have a question that's, I gotta ask it. Ask um, it. Jim, I, I know that you're about to start a new job. Did you put this on your resume? It is absolutely on my resume. <laughs> probably, <Awesome. laughs> probably not in so many words, but <laughs> being a librarian now, because I am one and that's awesome and I am so happy to be one. I am a youth and teen librarian, so I too, like the Extreme Teen Bible, am reaching out and influencing teens. And I am proud to share this with those that I feel might appreciate it. And my coworkers always find out and my classmates always find out. So it will, it will never die in my personal life. That's for sure. I have one other silly question and then we'll get to real show questions. Did you get to keep your sweet paladin outfit? Uh, they sent it to us afterwards and I was so (gasps) happy. That's That's so awesome. I have the whole outfit. Um, they sent me Paladin Patrick's pants originally, and I quickly realized that they were not mine. For, for <laughs> that a couple dude's of, huge! <laughs> he's probably twice my size, and he experienced some challenges that required a lot of mess that ended up on the uniform, and I quickly realized that this one did not belong to me, so we got it sorted out, and now everybody's got their own uniform, and we're very happy to have it. I so, think we all wished that we got to keep the pieces of the sun spear that we were each tasked with. Um, but to compensate for that, I immediately went home and had the symbol from my sun spear piece tattooed to my left wrist. So oh, it is so cool. that's awesome. Forever. That's real badass. To, to, like it. to leave the show and think like, okay, that was a nice part. And then to unexpectedly receive that, like your, your armor is just like, I can't imagine like opening up that package. Like that's gotta be the coolest thing the best surprise in the world oh gosh thank you to the producers for that they made it happen yeah that's good on them absolutely goodness and a, and a quick plug to the producers who were such influences on the show not be, just because they created it but because they were interacting with fans and they continue to do so today they are such personal people personable people that they take time on social media to a- answer questions and just talk like human beings to people who watch the show. Yeah, when we first decided to do this show, uh, I did not realize that there was this, like, big Facebook community for the quest where, like, people like you are hanging out and, like, the pro- I think the producers of the show, like, one of the producers or the writers or something, like, started that Facebook group. Yep, who is that the quest guy? army. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Andy was like, oh, by the way, did you know that, like, I'm in this Facebook, and I'm like, what are you talking Holy crap. Well, I learned about it from Sam, uh, our buddy Sam from LARP, who we were geeking out about the quest, even though, you know, this is at least four years after the quest ended. We're still talking about it. 
And he was like, yo, are you in the Quest Army? And I was like, what's the Quest Army? And he's like, there's people who are still <laughs> talking about it. And I was like, freaking add me to this group. So I got involved from, from our buddy Sam, who I, I had to plug. Um, and yeah, it's such a great uh, community. It really is. The Quest Army are some of my favorite people. I've played D&D with some of them in a Google Hangout it, it, and have done interviews with them, and it's just been amazing getting to know these people, and I hope you get to talk with some of them too. Yeah, I only just joined the Facebook group, but uh, it, it seems real cool, so I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Uh, I know reality show contestants, like we watch Survivor a lot as well, uh, they can tend to have different opinions about how well, like, the editing represented them or the fellow contestants or, like, the general vibe of what was going on on set. And I wanted to know if you feel that the quest, uh, did a good job and was fair in the way they represented you and the other contestants and, like, the whole, the whole contest show. Sure. So I'll speak... To myself first. Um, personally, I am very pleased with how I was portrayed. Um, I consider myself a kind and decent person, and not to say that everyone on the show wasn't kind and decent, but I was wanting to show that this was a, a test of inner strength for me, not just physical strength, but more of a, an emotional and mental strength that I needed to um, grow through. I I'm definitely not the person today that I was back then. I look at myself. I will rewatch the episodes and I will see this guy that wanted to prove himself. And now nowadays I don't feel like I have to prove myself like I did back then. Um, I'm still wanting to love adventure and love fantasy. And I think that the quest gave me a lot of inner strength and courage that I have then been able to put back out into the world. As far as other paladins, um, I have a deep appreciation for all of my fellow paladins on the show. I have spoken with some, and I think some are less pleased with how portrayals went down. Um, getting to know people on the show, it's a reality show, so you're intended to have conflicting personalities. If, if all 12 of us got along great, it was not good for TV. Um, so going in, I think we all knew that heads were going to get butted every now and then. Um, some people got harder edits because that is how the narrative grows. Um, ultimately, this show was about heroes. So I think good or bad moments, everyone was crafted into this narrative of becoming a hero and what does a hero look like and what qualities and personality traits does a hero possess. So you saw that expand throughout each episode. Sort of segueing <laughs> off that, like uh, one thing that's really unique about this show is that like all the paladins genuinely seemed very mindful of the other paladins like worthiness in terms of judging them like when they mm -hmm. have to pick who stays and who goes and in other reality shows you have this element of like especially i'm referencing survivor again but like in a lot of cases uh people will 
say like, oh, that person's actually better than me. I have to eliminate them so that I have a shot at winning. And I really did not get that vibe at all. Like in, in spite of what we said, like the your vote, Jim, I think was a little bit political, but I don't think it was that like, oh, we gotta we gotta get rid of somebody who's who stands a chance of winning so that then like we can win. Like everybody seemed really genuine and really invested in this idea of like being a hero, even though like out of their heads they knew it was a contest show. Um, why do you think that is? Do you think they chose people deliberately who they thought would behave that way? Or do you think it was something about the show itself? Or like, where do you think that came from? That's a really good point. And looking back, I, I think it needs to be said that the conditions were definitely set for immersion. This was an immersive reality show. So from the get go, we were not told where in the world we were going to be filming this until we checked in at an airport. We were not told when to, uh, when you would have to be in the, in the castle or on the grounds doing a challenge. We had no idea what was going to happen or when. Uh, so it really kind of shifted the mindset into this is kind of the world that we live in now. The world that we are living in is crafted by our decisions so I think in a lot of the Paladins' minds, Everrealm was really real and really in danger. And no one else could do anything about that except for us. So Did you did you see like NPCs out of character? Like did you ever talk to like Creo about sports or something? Excellent question. No. <laughs> uh, That's so rad. The that NPCs really like Creo and Saransgar and Queen Ralia and the Vizier never broke character around us that was their biggest challenge was either improvisation which happened a lot and never breaking in front of paladins so as much as we would talk to them even off camera when the cameras weren't rolling uh, they were talking to us as their characters i had the great fortune to go back to vienna austria after the show aired and hang out with all the actors as themselves and i was going to we actually went to the castle with jan hooter who plays creo um and he showed me all the filming sites that we'd used during the quest to backtrack to the question on voting um i think it was that mental shift that drove a lot of the votes home uh, whereas we were instead of looking at potential threats we were looking at who is the best choice moving forward that could potentially save this world? Was that really frustrating for you to go back and watch and see that two of the people that voted against you admitted that they felt like you were the better choice to stay? Whereas so much of the voting process was drived for who deserved to stay? I admit, yes. It, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a very emotional thing to see or hear or learn um tough. do i harbor any ill will towards any of them absolutely not uh, paladin leticia and i had brunch in charlotte north carolina this past summer and it was awesome and we got to catch That's up rad. Um, but emotions are definitely heightened in these types of situations um there has to be some element of strategy otherwise you're not playing a game 
Um, so the, it was a very thin line between pushing the narrative and playing the game. You were talking a little bit about um, NPCs and how they always stayed in character. And this might be a little bit too behind the scenes, but it's something that I think about as I watch a show like this. What about the crew? Like, I understand there had to probably been, especially during those fate scenes, I know there's a lot of lighting going on. It looked like had to be a lot of camera angles. Did that, was that a lot of that there? Was it hidden? And did that tend to ever take you kind of out of this immersive experience? Another good question. Uh, from the get-go, excuse me, from the very beginning, they did very well to conceal as much as possible. Um, when we were running through the woods in the very first episode, they had lighting to simulate moonlight, uh, but cameramen were typically hidden. Um, in one of the scenes that you don't get to see, when we collect the sun spear pieces, they were kind of scattered throughout the woods on a hill. And I remember running towards an altar that had the sun spear pieces and tripping over a cameraman that was lying in the grass <laughs> <laughs> and freak, freaking out because I didn't know what I'd just stepped on, but it waved back at me and I calmed down. Um, the Hall of Fates, where the Fates challenges take place, was the only set created for this show, which mm -hmm. I find amazing. Um, and you you lack the fourth wall. Uh, the, the fourth wall is broken there a bit because an entire wall of that hall is cameras. But even, right. even in the middle of an intense scene with an NPC or during a challenge, we learned not to notice them because they did so well at their job of concealment and not being allowed to interact with us. Where did they find all of the like ever realm citizens? Like how did they get so many people to just be like, yeah, we'll live in this castle and right? like sweep and I mean, I would have done that. Chickens like, and stuff. But like it's <laughs> it, it's so intense. Like how Truly. long were they there for? That's a that's a It looks like they literally <laughs> just like dropped you guys in the middle ages it's awesome it was fantastic i loved seeing small children and winches and just all these different npcs inhabit this world and they'd go home at night and come back in the morning um so i think they hired they hired locally and cast locally for that um in the so cool. vienna area i know our verlox and ogre our creature actor was douglas tate who's uh stateside um but just the diversity of cast that we were able to accumulate for this show speaks to what this show strives to do. And I want to plug one of the fates, Florence Kasumba, who has done yes. amazing things since the quest. <laughs> as soon as I want to, as soon like, but when they just have her in shadows, kind of like as you guys are in the, the canoe or, or the boat going through, I was heard that voice and I was like, is that, is that someone from Black Panther? It is absolutely that, is. is. Black Panther? <laughs> totally oh, is. Oh, snap. Yeah. You have seen yeah, her as Io in Black Panther. You have mm -hmm. seen her as a councilwoman in Wonder Woman. Uh, and you saw her tell off Scarlett Johansson, move or you will be moved in Captain America Civil War. That's amazing. That's so hardcore. Oh, I'm so happy for but her. But we had That's her great. on the quest first. <laughs> Got her start. You didn't happen to get her autograph, did you? Like you that's 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 uh, I'm sure valuable now. <laughs> I bet it is. 
I think I think all the actors have gone on to do very great things. But I love seeing Florence in this prominent light, and she's going to be in the in the new Lion King along with Beyonce and Donald Glover and all these other people. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it it, it that's that's just part of it. Like everyone involved in this, like especially the actors. I mean, the Paladins certainly did their part really well, but the actors like having to maintain that character and maintain that that persona like all the way through. It's just like it is. It cannot be understated how amazing that that is to a- even to ask that of somebody let alone for them to deliver in such a, an astounding way agreed i'm curious how much like off-screen interaction you got with the NPCs. i know you said you talked to the npcs and stuff but like were you just hanging out eating snacks with them <laughs> and like they were just having in-character conversations with you like how deep did, I, I, did they keep you relatively contained in, like, your living areas? Or, like, were you just, like, having free reign and, like, just chatting with Sir Ansgar and stuff? That's, we were usually sequestered to a wing of the castle, which, saying it out loud, sounds awesome. <laughs> this was a very warm Vienna summer, probably one of the hottest on record, I think. So we had access to our bedquarters, our common room, which you see in the first and third episodes. Um, and we had a confessional room, which didn't make the series. Um, we had a magic mirror in the confessional room and we could speak to it and it recorded our confessions. Um, and we had a, a, a real world so room. so dark. Right? <laughs> That's just like, again, another great way of weaving this into the plot. Like, there would not be a camera that you could talk to in a castle, but a magic mirror? Oh, totally. Yeah. There's, totally. There's stuff full of those. And we did have a real world room that had some snacks and a mirror for makeup or whatever. Um, so that was most of our daily life was that hallway. When we did encounter an NPC, they were always in character, um, even as we were being, if we were being led from our hall upstairs, our beds upstairs down to the courtyard, uh, we would sometimes stop at the the large oak door to the outside, and Creo Jan would have to improvise as his character for a good five, seven, ten minutes <laughs> as we're as we're waiting for cameras to move, as we're waiting for crew to get ready and in position. Um, so. I was probably one of the most notorious for testing an NPC of their knowledge of the world just because I was so curious about the 12 kingdoms and their heroic attributes and what does this symbol stand for? And I think since childhood I've been asking a lot of questions and it definitely played into that in the, a fantasy world because there's so much to learn. That's so cool. That's I'd be exactly, right there with you. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly the sort of, like, annoying shit that I'd be doing. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what's the, what's the like... What are your imports? Yeah. <laughs> Teach me your mythology. And I was so blessed after the show uh, to have the producers share the original Everrealm mythology document that they created, which had information about the 12 kingdoms and their imports and exports and armies and navies and i got to share that with everybody um because of my fascination with the world as an in, as an in-character paladin just they're like writing notes about like the topography and like all the species of animals exactly and, yeah. 
Evan and I are storytellers at uh, a LARP called Lost Colonies, which is getting started. And I know, like... Hashtag plug Lost Colonies, everybody. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, right, as, like, a dungeon down. master and stuff, I've played a lot of D&D. I love when my players uh, start asking those questions and are getting excited about, like, weird things that they find interesting, even if I never thought it would be. So I'm sure the, the producers were stoked that uh, a contestant was, like, really excited about you know, dumb world building stuff that didn't make the show, but they still put that work in. Yeah, somebody had worked hard on that official lore document, yes. and they were like, ah, yes, finally! <laughs> Thanks to Greg Hale for that one. Absolutely. But yeah, I think it's I ha- even driven my, it's driven me post-quest uh, as a librarian now, I've definitely dabbled in storytelling and in my own gaming communities with friends, I've I'm attempting to DM for the first time, which is nerve-wracking enough, but I'm trying to definitely pull from living in a fantasy world and just having so many questions to fill in the gaps of creative storytelling like that. I really loved the uh, the dining scene in the second episode where it's just all the paladins hanging out and Creo is there, and then Sir Ansgar comes, and dramatically the queen gets poisoned. But what was that like where it was just, it seemed so fun, and everyone seemed to be having such a great time, and then it took such a dark turn? Um, I'd be really interested did. to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, it absolutely did. We thought it was the most amazing thing in the world that we were going to share a meal in this capacity because most of our food was most of our food was uh, kind of shuffled into a back room where it was never on camera us eating. So this was one of the only times when you got to see us eat. Uh, And then we learned it's going to be with the queen in her court and the pressure was on. So we're all having a good time and talking. And then this terrible, terrible event happens and we're all in go mode. Like it's challenge time. What's happening. We're going to follow you. No, you have to stay in, in your seats. And so it's all this confusion and, and, wanting to act but still getting some directions as to you need to be here and talk about it so that the viewers can understand so there was definitely what you don't see is there was definitely a lot of conversation and and speculation and theorizing what was going on between us at that table and it ended strangely with the paladins asking me to lead a prayer over the queen so i in some, uh, there's one picture of this prayer te- taking place, but I, I wish I had the, the word still. I summoned from the depths of my soul a prayer to the fates that they lay their healing graces upon the queen and, and the world. And I have never in my life pulled that much baloney out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's such good role play. Thank yeah. you. I try logistically what was that like because she gets poisoned and i noticed in like following scenes it's the next day it seems like did you guys like have to like go to sleep before they had to put makeup on her like (laughs) she gets poisoned sir ansgar whisks her away to a healer or her bedroom or something and we're instructed to go to bed because we are now suspects in this crime um so any any npc was basically treating it as a hostile situation and it was pretty much not until the next day that we filmed that next scene where the queen is on her deathbed, basically. 
I wouldn't have slept. I would not have been able to sleep. Yeah. No, I can't imagine that would have been no. traumatizing. You guys were all speculating, right? That was, however, the one time that they gave us one of the few times they gave us wine. So some of the paladins stayed up a little late that night. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that whole scene was just such a you know it, it was the one episode where there were like multiple challenges technically in the episode which I loved I loved having that like a little bit more dynamic flow to it and and that challenge at the end the 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 kind of potion gathering potion ingredient gathering challenge was so well done even though it was like you know the least realistic in terms of like, oh, this old lady set up an obstacle course for us. Like it just, it still like worked so well of like, you know, even if you know you can't get that final ingredient, you've got to at least get one ingredient. You've got to work through it the entire way. Like it was very, very like, you know, the the game theory of it was very well planned out. Um, dragon Tears, man. That final ingredient uh, will get you. Yeah, yeah. Goddamn it, Dragon Tears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy was asking, who did you guys, like, did you guys come to a conclusion, like, amongst yourselves, the Paladins? Like, what was your suspicion on who had done it? Oh, we all, we all thought it was the Vizier. There was no question. We, we thought that, well, excuse me, I'm speaking on behalf of 11 other people. Personally, I did not trust him. I have read enough Harry Potter to see a Snape-like character (laughs) and the bell was ringing and I would have been shocked if I learned otherwise. Um, But I've seen wild fan speculation from, uh, it was Sir Ansgar to Creo. Um, I think the wildest speculation was that it was the, the handmaid (laughs) who poured the queen's wine. (laughs) I mean, that would be a wild twist, but not at all an unbelievable one. Very true. There's, a lot of people got a on snake the... in y'all's midst. <laughs> a lot of people got on the Creo who didn't taste the queen's wine. Apparently in, in the lore, that is his job, and he didn't do it <laughs> prior to, so that was why speculation went oh. down. Oh, wow. They've got some meta knowledge that they're applying. Damn it, Creo. <laughs> He's so likable, though. Oh, I love yeah, Creo. Yeah, that is... I if all of all the the NPCs, uh, Creo was definitely the biggest heartthrob. No, Here's not your Samwise. Aww. Ansgar Ansgar has has drawn a lot of of love interest, yeah. but Creo will always have Evan and heart. I especially. Yeah, are, are Sir Ansgar fans. Ansgar is a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude in armor. Creo's got my heart. <laughs> That's fair. I I see it. I see the appeal. I just want Sir Ansgar to tell me he's proud of me. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still want yes. that. <laughs> they got the, they got the go right find Peter guy and make him say that. that. He, could do, he could do that dad voice. Like, that... He, he had that affect where, like, you were terrified of him, but also, like, you desperately wanted his approval. I... Don't envy Peter's son at all, (laughs) 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 who probably hears that voice every day. Mm -hmm. What was the monster you were most afraid of that you encountered? Because you saw some freaking doozies, man. Uh, 4 a.m. in the middle of the woods and an ogre pops out at you, that's hard to erase from your mind for the rest of your adult life. Um, But because I was eliminated during her challenge, the Hag of Pergwall will probably haunt me to this day um the creatures and and 
costuming were absolutely amazing. A side story I love to tell is the first time Paladin Jim encountered Verlox was off camera and in the cruise camp when I emerged from a portable restroom and lo and behold was Verlox the Darkness in his full-on garb ready to scare me as I step out the door. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have seen the Banshee, who you will see in a much later episode. And the Banshee makeup was absolutely amazing. I have had my late night encounters at uh, Night Realms, which is a LARP, where I have stumbled on monsters at night that I was absolutely <sighs> terrified of. But I cannot imagine leaving a bathroom. And bumping into Verlocks. That must be horrifying. Thankful it was exiting the restroom and not entering the restroom. Or else yeah. <laughs> but yeah, their production value is way higher than like our NPC costumes at LARP. And they're still scary in the dark. You still like jump out of your skin if there's an NPC in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I cannot imagine having like actual professionally costumed and prosthetic uh like spooky scary monsters like lurking around we had an absolutely incredible makeup department wardrobe department i know we we beat out game of thrones for a lot of costumes is what i was told um and then companies like spectral motion um that created the uh, animatronics and and digital mapping um just added that extra little bit that cherry on top that put our show's belief value especially if you were living in that world over the top that's rad yeah yeah everything looks so so scary and awesome this show seems like it was expensive i think maybe we know why it got canceled (laughs) (laughs) they couldn't they couldn't top that they could not up the game for the second season it was like we spent all our money on this awesome awesome set and these awesome awesome monsters oops i think they could have made it happen and to be fair, they were already casting for season two. Ooh. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. So what, um, I don't know if you have any insight on this. Uh, I didn't like, I didn't look it up. I didn't do any research because sort of at the end of the show, we like to speculate about why it didn't like at once we're on the final three episodes, we speculate about why it got canceled. But uh, in this case, do you actually know like what the specific series of events were that led to it being canceled? And like, was it just a the world wasn't ready for it? Did they not have a budget? Mm. What what happened? So, I want to be as respectful as possible in this explanation because I don't I do not know the full details. I want to preface by saying that, um, nor will I probably ever learn the full details. Um, I do recall that. The network executive that was in charge of our show um, during filming was not the network executive that was in charge of our show during uh, post or airing. Um, So I want to believe that while the original executive loved our show and loved what it could do, the next in line didn't care for it as much um which i know our original air date was a january um was set for january but got pushed to june and then got pushed to july Mm. um and once we were in that summer block we were 
preempted by football often, so our ratings were not the best every week. Um, I know we had to double up on episodes later into the season. Um, so I think there were some elements that were beyond the show's control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know that the producers are proud of this. I know that the Paladins are proud of this. Everyone that worked on this show is... This show has a very special... This project has a very special place in their hearts. If ever we pray to the fates that a season two could happen, I know many of us would drop everything we're doing to make it happen. I was about to say, you get a phone call tomorrow that now that it's back on online free to stream hits her up you get a phone call hey season two are you grabbing that uh, paladin armor out I, of the closet i am there whether or not it's in my paladin armor did you see all those scrolls that we had to sort through for potion ingredients clearly everrealm needs a librarian i am that librarian <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool to take all of you guys and make you npcs now for the new for a new batch that would be fantastic that would be cool that would be really great especially i mean everybody seems really invested in it even after you know having gone their separate ways so yeah that would that would be great if they could do that i mean of course we don't know if there's going to be a season two but you never know could happen could happen. let's start a gofundme gofundme solves everything right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Would, all, all the world's <laughs> problems can be solved by asking strangers on the internet for money i imagine doing like fight training was pretty fun oh yeah all the camps were amazing we had archery camp and sword camp and horse camp horse camp was a little intimidating for me like we talked about earlier um my original horse was one of the large dark war horses whose name was cortez cortez did not care for me (laughs) so (laughs) that's how i got the wonderful gray horse that i ride in the tournament whose name was not Cortez, but Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's hilarious. That's wonderful. The uh, camps really started the the growth process for me. That was where I could see what I was capable of doing. That's awesome. I was thrown from a horse as a child, and ah. I pretended to be a lot more traumatized than I was. My mom was really into horseback riding, and she made me take horseback riding lessons. And uh, I got thrown in a round pen, and I wasn't badly hurt, but I pretended to be really traumatized so I wouldn't have to go to horseback riding anymore. I don't blame you. That's terrifying. Yeah. Horses are the worst. <laughs> I have a, I have, I have um, a silly question. Um, how silly questions. How much do you love and or hate the nickname Jimbo Slice? I love the nickname Jimbo Slice. I was hoping I am, you did. Oh my goodness. The the, uh, the relationship between Shondo and I has definitely grown since since the quest. We because to be to be fair, he never called me Jimbo Slice to my face while we lived together. Only when I came back as a new formed final battle paladin did I hear members of the crew calling me Jimbo Slice and learned where this <laughs> stemmed from. But I embrace it fully to this day. I love Shondo because yeah. he surprised me so much. Shondo was like really invested and he's like this big burly black MMA fighter. He was an MMA fighter, right? Am I making that up? He's some kind of you are martial correct. artist. Yes. Yeah. And he's 
he really seemed like the last person you would expect to be like really interested in like a fantasy competition show. I don't see Conor McGregor like watching the quest. Well, also because like I think unfortunately like people of color get kind of blocked out of like fantasy media a lot. There's not a lot of representation in traditional fantasy media, which is kind of shitty. Looking at you but, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. But um so yeah, there's sort of like this assumption that like unfortunately like that's not the sort of person both because of like his background and his profession and like that's just it's so he seemed so out of place and yet he was so fully committed he was in it to the to being a paladin and to the whole story and everything he got really far in that competition as well which was like Awesome. And his interviews are just hilarious. Get the dub. So, Jim, I, I got to ask you, why didn't you vote with Shondo in episode two? Because Shondo was the big voice against Christian, and uh, you voted to save him. That's very true. How dare you bring this dark moment from my past? <laughs> <laughs> Give us, give us the juicy details. Uh, I remember watching that episode as it aired, and I was like, Jim, no, listen to your roommate. Like, Shondo knows what's up. That's true. Um, you, you miss, like any reality show, there's a lot that you don't see. And living in that castle, surprisingly, if you watch this show, you you have your perceptions of, of the 12 of us. My perception in this castle, Christian, Paladin Christian, was my closest friend. Um, we we were constantly in in talks and we had a ton of similarities as far as uh, interests in fantasy stuff outside of the show. Uh, we were the closest in age. Uh, I was the youngest. He was the next youngest. So I think I gravitated towards Christian early, and I said to him, "You see it in the second episode when we were both up for banishment." Um, yeah. that if he fell to the very bottom, I had his back because he'd been my confidant from the, from pretty much day one. Um, a lot of the discussions around that stone table, the deliberation table, you don't see and okay. things I got are, that imp- I got that impression as yeah. well. Cause it, they definitely cut. Cut bits together. It, I'm sure it was a very long. And it, it imagine was, those discussions sucked. They absolutely did, and you'll notice in the first three episodes a couple things. You will notice our our the the way in which we deliberate grows. We mm-hmm. we are very new to this. We don't handle it very well initially. You'll also see the style in which we vote change from episode one to episode two to episode three in that in the very first episode, it was just a cluster and we would all mass towards who we wanted to keep. In the second episode, they'd actually laid um, symbols, standing points on the the floor for us to uh, move to. And then by the third one, um, it fell into the one at a time um, voting style. 
So it was definitely a learning experience because this was a new kind of show. And not only were the paladins having to learn how to do it, but the cast and crew had to figure it out as we went to. Um, so deliberation was always, while there was enough time, not everything was shared. We didn't know how each other was going to vote nine times out of ten. And there really is no show that I can think of that has a similar deliberation and like public voting process. So I imagine just people who are fans of reality TV and fans of like those types of shows would just dig how differently y'all did this. It's raw and real. It's so emotionally intense. It is. I, everybody can look you in the eye and see your shame. That's gotta suck. There's a lot of shame. (laughs) Looking back, I don't, I mean, I am definitely closer with some people now than I was then or have you, what have you. Um, I would do it all again the same way for the same outcome, but I, at the same time, knowing what I know now, I might change, might have changed some votes if I did it all again. I think anybody could say that. Oh, sure. Reality <laughs> yeah. show that Hindsight, hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, um your opinion on on the key in episode three there's some uh oh. it's kind of left ambiguous about bonnie's key do you think christian was genuinely looking for it or taking his time i forgot about this so to clarify um christian and bonnie had doors that they were trying to get through right next to each other that mm-hmm. had a lock on them covered in tar once you got through the tar you had to use a key to unlock it Christian lost his key, just gone, dropped it, no idea where it went. Um, he makes an agreement with Bonnie to, he will work on her lock, which still has a key while she helps him look for the key. No key ever was found. Meanwhile, I'm like 10 doors down to their left, struggling on my own. Um, I don't know. I don't think it was ever found which is one of those haunting mysteries of Everrealm. There's probably a book about it now. But the, um, do you yeah. think he was genuinely trying to get through her lock? I'm sorry, they, I phrased uh, the question wrong. Yeah, they, they showed uh, an interview with him where he sort of implied that he wasn't looking that hard. He was like, this is or a competition show. Trying, so. to, trying to jury it. Yeah, yeah. The this, lock open. Yeah, I see. So That's one of those moments where, in the moment, I give people the benefit of the doubt and if they say they are doing something and i see something that looks like what they said they are doing i will trust them and believe them which might be a double-edged sword for me (laughs) um seeing those floating head moments of a reality show will shed light on things and it's very hard to take back something you say in those moments yeah so yeah i I cannot speak to, to sorry i can't speak to to christian or bonnie but I, I know that I see, I see good in most people. So I, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it was one of those situations where uh, I was trying to figure out if they had edited, edited it to create controversy or if he had actually said it that way in context or like what exactly because they they showed the interview uh like as the 
the contest itself was happening. And so, like, obviously it was a, a TV drama moment, but it was hard to, it's always hard to determine how genuine those moments are, you know? Absolutely. And it, it seemed like a lot of paladins were unsure as to whether or not he he was genuinely trying to help Bonnie, which uh, no one seemed to question Bonnie's motives, and Bonnie just seems, like, so pure and awesome. And uh, I, I was curious if uh, they were maybe unfair to Christian in that edit. I see. Uh, I can definitely speak to both of their good good halves uh, i've seen bonnie gordon multiple times since the the show has aired and she is a wonderful human being christian the same he's now a proud father and is doing awesome. wonderful things um, congrats christian yeah. if you ever happen to listen to our podcast which you probably won't but that's cool i don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I mean there are looking at myself because that's the best person i can talk about in my opinion um Sorry, that sounded really conceited, and I was just trying to clarify. Um, if I look at how I was portrayed, I definitely think that there are moments that they could have used in which I didn't say the greatest thing about another paladin or express frustration towards a challenge. So there's definitely a, a hard layer of editing, um, like any show. So it definitely painted... A lot of people's perceptions people ask me why i was friends with christian they people will will blame christian for my being banished when christian didn't stand behind himself christian was next to me up for elimination he had no control over who was going to stand where in that vote it was Andrew's fault you got voted out. <laughs> Let's be mad at that guy. Everybody point fingers. But no, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, and I like I know certainly uh, as with any reality competition show, I think most people approach it with a certain level of skepticism, and uh, like I would. I would be inclined to think that they they didn't do any really egregious editing. I didn't get the impression that they did. They didn't they didn't portray anybody as a villain or like try to facilitate bizarre dramatic drama. situations yeah. or anything like yeah. that. And that's what I think is really great about this show is that um, everybody was extremely cooperative even though they were in a competition show where they were trying to beat each other and everybody really believed in what they were doing and it really shone through the whole time so i'm to, proud to, of us to, I'm tie proud of... It, to tie it neatly up i really think that's why the show the show worked hmm. i miss it, it I, I miss it every day it's something i'm immensely proud of and Again, I would do it again in a heartbeat, and I think it deserves more love. I would try out for that show. Do it. Right now. Yeah. I submitted an audition tape to King of the Nerds back when they were doing that. Love I didn't that know show. About the, yeah, I didn't know about the quest until, like, after it was already airing on TV, and I was like, oh, shit, I wish I was on that show. <laughs> I think Bonnie's song really, uh, like 
Oh yeah, Bonnie's song that was really really portrays what the show is about. That every one of you guys is a hero, and everyone seems so humble about like, yes, I'm a hero. I might not be the one true hero to save Everon. That could be the person next to me, but we're all trying to bring that out in each other, and that's that's cool as hell. It's so cute. Everybody's so cute. Thank so you. So heartwarming. <laughs> I am cute. <laughs> did such a great job too like everything everything is just so curated and, and so well done that it's it's bravo bravo to you thank you applause applause um uh, there are definitely people in post-production that i could thank for that and will thank for that uh there are but ultimately Again, the growth and strength and courage and craziness that it took to do this sort of thing was the experience of a lifetime. And it will stay with me forever. It's four years later after the show has aired. Five years since we filmed it. And I'm still talking about it with people that I don't know. And that's awesome. <laughs> Strangers on the internet. Strangers on the... Sorry, Mom. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> you warned me and it's happening. We're the weirdos <laughs> Jim's mom warned you about. But a plug to the to the Quest Army. The Quest Army has definitely risen up to some creative efforts for season two. There is a, a petition. Everyone can still tweet at the network, ABC, ABC Publicity, if you're listening. Um, mm-hmm. Just generating that low buzz that could turn into a roar. We um, we also uh, we made a, a post in the Quest Army asking for fans to submit what um, the Quest meant to them or if they had a favorite moment, and um, we're still taking those. So Quest Army, if you're listening, feel free to keep sending those in. Uh, but Jim, uh, I, I guess to close us out, let's ask you: um, Do you have a favorite moment, or is there something you want to say that the Quest meant to you, or or do you? Why do you think the quest stuck with uh, so many people for so long? I'll answer all three. Okay, great. Favorite moment. Season one, episode one. We have been running through the Marwood Forest in the middle of the night. We find safety from the ogre, and we are exiting the woods just as the sun is rising over a hill. And the moment that we see Castle Sanctum is the moment when I think for all 12 of us, you see it on our faces in this scene. It is a wow moment. It is a, I cannot believe this is happening moment. We are in this world and this world was created for us and for the viewers. And to be a part of it was truly, truly awe-inspiring. To have been a part of this show has changed my life for the better. I am a much more confident person. I know myself so much better having grown as a paladin. Um, I have stepped outside that comfort zone comfort zone, and I have taken on the world. And I think that the reason that this show means so much to the Quest Army and viewers is that people can see themselves in this world. They see a childhood dream of a fantasy world unfolding before them. They see someone with a similar weakness or strength that they wish they had or wish that they could overcome and they see people that are real 
and genuinely trying to fight for good. And I think that, especially in today's day and age, people need to see more people fighting for good. What a rousing speech sentiment. Forever realm. Paladin Jim. <laughs> Forever realm. I can't, I can't agree more that um, this show, I think, was needed more in 2018 than it was back in in 2014 agreed yeah let's, let's we need yeah. some positivity we need some positivity in in the modern climate we yeah. absolutely do <sighs> well but it can be found it can be found even in very dark places said dumbledore or something along those lines i could actually <laughs> quote him but i'm not going to what's your hawk i'm a hufflepuff yay hell yeah a proud Hufflepuff. I'm the yeah. only. I'm the only Slytherin on this. You're show. the only okay. non-Hufflepuff on this show. Yeah. Badger, Badger Ride for sure. Slytherins and Hufflepuffs make good friends. They do. They do. I, I, you know, I look out for you. Yeah. I'm mean to people for you. Yes, you are. It's great. <laughs> I love being a Hufflepuff. I'm. I'm. I'm teasing a little bit. I'm. I'm really not that. I'm not that mean. I promise. Uh. All right, uh, we should we should close should, out, yeah. Ronnie. We should wrap that. We should do that thing that we yeah. do. Uh, thank you, Jim, so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, this has been absolutely incredible to talk about with you all, and I love sharing our story and sharing what this show can can do for people. Where can people follow you? Where can people find out you know how yeah. to talk about things with you about the quest and things like that? People are more than welcome to follow me on Twitter. Uh, originally, I was at Paladin Jim. That has since changed since my career has changed. I will always be a Paladin, but follow me at Jim the Librarian. Um, and that's pretty much my main source of keeping in touch with people these days. Very cool. Very cool. At Jim the Librarian. As always, you can follow Ending Pending on Twitter at PendingPod. You can follow us on Facebook at PendingPod. Send us an email, pendingpod at gmail.com, and we would love those emails. Uh, all those, all you folks in the Quest Army who have now heard uh, this, like, super inspiring episode, thanks to, thanks to Paladin and Jim, send us what, you know, all about what makes this show so important to you. Send us your pitch for season two. Why not? Like, let's get everybody's opinion in here. Hashtag the Quest, hashtag the Quest Army, hashtag continue the Quest, at ABC Publicity. Yeah. There's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of things. Bother a lot of people. Bother people. Spam bother, all bother, of them. Bother. Yeah. As as we said last time, the ending pending hosts are more than happy to do a like after the Walking Dead style, uh, Talking Dead style uh, recap show after every episode. So you've got that. You've talking quest. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> you've got a you've got like a social media following already ready to buy into this, and, and we'll we'll kind of lead them through. Um, I love it. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, so now that we are at the end, I gotta, I gotta ask, uh, Jim, you ever, you ever watched, uh, Firefly? I wish it's on my to watch list. I know. Well, don't I... worry, Jim. Oh. We're never doing Firefly. Oh. 